You're listening to the Pandemic Podcast, where we equip you to live the most real life possible in the face of today's crises. My name is Matt Bodker, and I'm joined with my two good friends, Dr. Stephen Kistler, an epidemiologist at Harvard School of Public Health, and Dr. Mark Kistler. He, he came back, who is a doctor at the University of Colorado Hospital. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Doing well. How are you? Good. Not too hey, bad. Matt. How's it going, Mark? Welcome back from, uh, hopefully, a day off from the hospital right now. Is that what today is? That's right. Yeah. That's, I've had a couple of days off since that uh, that little stretch. So Good. Well, yep, we, doing well. We wanted the respect. We mentioned in the last uh, episode, Steve and I, that uh, you wanted a COVID-free day on Friday. So we wanted to honor that. Hopefully it was a <laughs> wonderful right. day. I appreciate it. Staying far, far yeah, away. No. That's right. You can you can never get too, too far away from you know the news and, <laughs> and things like that. But it definitely was nice to reframe and, and focus in on you know some of the essential stuff for a while. Good, good. I was able to hopefully you're able to have some family time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well let's get rolling here. I know uh, Stephen has a deadline here coming up soon. So I want to get this out to you today as quickly as possible. A couple of things just before we get going. We could always use more reviews. So if that's in your, uh, your wheelhouse, uh, iTunes, uh, the podcasts, we would love to have uh, a bunch of reviews to bring us up in the ratings to bring this more available. We've got some feedback from people who've helped people uh, just deal with it in a sober way to bring calm in their life. And we'd like to give this to more people. And the only way we can do that, first and foremost, is by increasing our ratings and our reviews. So if you have five seconds, 30 seconds, a minute to to give it a five star or whatever you, you believe it deserves and to leave a comment, uh, that would be hugely helpful. Looking for a third of our audience to be able to do that if they can, uh, would be greatly appreciated. Also, we have a Patreon website, just a reminder, dot com slash pandemic podcast. If you'd like to help donate to us as little as $5 a month uh, to help us get more equipment so we can bring this to you in, with better clarity, as well as help to offset some of the load. Uh, we're all having multiple jobs here to uh, maybe delegate the labor of editing to someone else so we can focus on really working on the development of the content. Really appreciate it. If you want to give more than just $5 a month or just want to give a one-time payment, there's options, but you can deal with us, uh, address us through the Patreon website as well. Greatly appreciate it. One thing before we get going in the news, I saw this and I just have to say we're putting the show notes. It was awesome. It made my day. And that is, uh, for those of you who know Neil Diamond, I knew I grew up with him, uh, that he, he basically performed from his house, Sweet Caroline, but changed the words to about hand washing. So it was awesome. Super funny. Warm my heart. We'll put in the show notes. It's totally worth watching. Uh, it made me feel like uh, life was normal for a few minutes. And, uh, and who doesn't love that song, right? So it's like the best song in the flipping world. So uh, <laughs> check that out for sure. So well, do you guys like the song? I mean... I, I do. I what? like the song. I, you, you hesitated. <laughs> you you are you are you are literally voted expecting. off this I mean, island. I was, like, I was like really hyperbolic. I mean, I, I'm just like <laughs> I was taken taken aback. I didn't see that in the show notes when we were, oh. I wasn't prepared. For that no, well, I should have. Well, <laughs> well, it's 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 an anthem of sorts here in Boston, so it's kind of had to go. Oh, yeah. Your, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's totally. Good. That's good. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark. We'll talk after the show about your musical taste. We'll we'll settle. We'll settle. I don't have any. You're you're good. We'll talk. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. Let's get to the media stuff in the news. uh, Well, we all know probably you've seen the news. There's so many states either offering shelter in place or stay-at-home guidelines, uh, which are different. uh, So check that out. I know California, New York, Maryland has a a stay-at-home guidance. Michigan, even Colorado doesn't have quite either of those, but just uh, our governor's asked us to reduce the amount of contact and business by half. Uh, so a lot of these states rolling these out. So I would just say, check the news every, 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 you know, at least once a day to check out what states and if it's your state, uh, how does that impact you? But the one thing I want to look at and I want to, uh, uh, open the, open the door to, uh, Mark and Steven is there was a New York times article. I just saw about an hour, uh, an hour ago 
that I think was really uh, good. And basically, it's talked about talked about the idea of how we can stop the coronavirus. Now, first and foremost, is about bringing med- medical experts to the forefront uh, of the media. So not so much the politicians who aren't equipped to be able to uh, deal with these difficult questions, but it's the it's basically the scientists and the medical workers who are basically the the the, the generals of this this so to speak uh, operation to help us reduce the coronavirus in our in our in our country. And they mentioned this, which I think is a great framework for us to, to look at, the ideal. So what is the ideal? Now, of course, the ideal is this thing by which is so hard to obtain, but it gives us a framework for what we need to aim for. So this, this person mentioned your times that the ideal would be just if everyone took two weeks off, right? Just two weeks off. And if home tests were readily available to all 300 million people, that we could know exactly who had the coronavirus, who could be isolated, who would not, that this would all be a done deal in a matter of a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. However, we know that that's not possible. Even if we could isolate everyone, we don't have 300 million tests available to do that. So why do I bring this up? To help put this in perspective between the ideal and the experience and how for every one person who doesn't have to go out, right, but does and exposes themselves in public to other people, that number right, begins to expand the experience and the ideal. So, so for every one person who doesn't have to and goes out into a public setting, that two weeks becomes maybe one day or one hour or one minute longer. And for everyone on the flip side of that, for every person who doesn't necessarily have to go, and I'm saying who doesn't have to go out in public, the more we shore up, right, the more we shore up that gap between the ideal and the real. So I think this is really important for us to frame. This is a really important thing for us to take seriously. If you don't have to go out, just don't go out. Because if you do that, you are now creating the atmosphere by which that experience ideal begins to shrink closer and closer and closer to the ideal week, which means what? That more businesses open up sooner, right? That we get our freedom back to go to our favorite restaurant again. So everyone just take that time, that opportunity that if you don't have to go out, stay in, right? There's lots of opportunities we mentioned in the last episode to help uh, order things online. I know it's crazy with groceries. Sometimes you have to do it, but just to have that as a motivation. So now I want to segue this into a big question for Stephen and Mark. So I saw this the other day. I, saw, I sent it to Stephen. He saw it as well. There was a Stanford professor, and I'm sorry, going to completely butcher his name. Uh, John Ioannidis, I think. He uh, is the director of the University of Meta Research Innovation Center. Uh, and, and a professor of medicine, biomedical data science, statistics, and epidemiolo- epidemiology, and population health, right? So he wrote this article that's going all over the place about how maybe we're overreacting, uh, that, that this idea of trying to do social distancing and closing all these uh, businesses, that maybe it's not the best decision, so we don't have enough mathematical modeling, we don't even know what's going to happen, and this may be a really stupid idea. So I pose this to Stephen, and I want to start with Stephen and say, you, you've read the article, you tell me, like, what, do you, what is your perspective on this? And do you think he's right? Or where, where could he be misfiring if that's the case? Yeah, so I think that I mean I think that he's bringing up an important point, which is that you know the the interventions that we are making, the social distancing things, are not you know they're not trivial. They they come with a real impact, and that impact you know is not uh, for many of us. Thankfully, it's it's an inconvenience, but you know it really is, you know it's it's causing a lot of really uh, huge upheaval. And so we we do really need to think about you know like what are we doing and and is it worth it? Now, I think the the issue here is that it seems from this article that. The the, the argument that he's making is that we don't know, and so therefore we shouldn't really be doing anything. I think that, that might be sort of a caricature of what he's trying to say here, but um, he's basically saying that like the the extent of the measures that we're taking could be so sort of disruptive to society that it could be even more than you know than what the epidemic itself could cause. I think that that's 
problematic, frankly. I think that there are, you know, there's there's plenty of evidence that we've seen already from um, from other countries that this virus really can cause a huge amount of upheaval in the health system. I mean, we know clearly from Italy that, you know, they're really scrambling just to care for the people who need care at the moment. And there's no reason to think that the same sort of thing couldn't necessarily happen here if we weren't to do the sorts of social distancing that we're doing now. So I, I do agree that that the the measures that we're putting in place are can be like relatively they can be pretty severe for sure. But I don't think that a lack of information is a reason to to not act. Um, and I and I would also say that we we do have more information than it seems like he's necessarily citing here in this article. So I think it's important to sort of keep up what we've been doing, and uh, yeah, and just trust that that's uh, like you said will help sort of bring us bring that gap between the ideal and the real a little bit more close together. And Mark, some feedback with you. I mean, just seeing what's going on in the New York hospitals. I mean, doesn't that already kind of show precedence of the, the necess- necessity of maybe trying to stay at home? Yeah, you know, I think at least from from my perspective, you know, being in, in the hospitals, I definitely am leaning that way. And, you know, of course, you know, the reports out of Milan, the reports out of New York City, there is very clear documentation that these systems can get stressed. And when the systems themselves get stressed, then they're not able to deliver the kinds of care, you know, standards of care, essentially, that we want to deliver at all times for all illnesses, uh, regardless of the cause. So even, you know, coronavirus aside, if the system is super stressed. Um, just as we've talked about in other episodes, we're not going to be able to provide the same standards of care in other situations as well. And so, um, you know, it seems to me that as we're watching this affect different countries and different regions in different ways. You know, there there is a place I think for for conversation and debate and you know and, and being you know I guess cognizant of the ill effects that we might be having on our economies and things like that. And yet, you know, I, I think all of the three of us are in agreement that what we're looking for is to shoot big, you know, to shoot towards an appropriate response so that the effect of this is minimized in the long term. And that to me seems to make the the most sense just sort of from where I stand. And kind of going back and going with Stephen, we mentioned, I guess is really kind of a good framework because we started with this, this episode of this idea of shrinking, you know, the ideal and the experience. And number one, Stephen, maybe you can reiterate again. I mean, there seems to be a few places outside of the US that have done extreme measures and have had relatively good success that kind of identify maybe that what we're doing could be on the right track. And also the danger, right? Maybe I'm putting two things into your plate, Stephen and Mark. The danger, in my opinion, now I'm not a scientist, uh, that these articles, the, you know, because I've seen this on Facebook, I see good friends who are posting this and sharing this kind of going viral, like, what about this? I mean, this is a good option. I mean, he, he, he poses really good uh, information and hesitations. And my fear is that, again, the, the more aggressive we can be, at least in my, in my opinion, that that experience and that ideal begin to shrink, right? So then the more people who maybe follow the other camp and want to go out and do things, it just widens this two weeks to three weeks to five weeks to six weeks. And then the collateral damage becomes so much more significant. And then the real issue isn't, oh, see, you guys, you guys did social distancing and look, what the, well, look at the damage you did and all the stuff you've done. When in reality, I'm like, maybe it wouldn't have been the case if everyone took their part, right? And I know that everyone can stay home that everybody did their part and just stayed home and how much sooner this would have happened. So my first question to you, Stephen, and, and, and Mark, you can riff on this, is that, again, don't we have some evidence to say that this actually does work in, in other countries and where they haven't done it, it's actually kind of exploded? 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I, you're absolutely right that, you know, I think if if my numbers are right, there there have hardly been any new reported cases in China over the past two weeks, right? And that was the epicenter of the epidemic from the very yeah. beginning. So it really does seem like their social distancing measures there have worked. South Korea is another great example. Singapore has been doing very similar sorts of things. So um, either, you know, preventing infection from kicking off in the first place or being able to bring it down after it's, you know, after it's caused, you know, a, a great deal of illness. So, the really the real world evidence sort of looking from country to country really does suggest that letting this thing run can cause, as Mark was saying, a substantial stress on healthcare systems. But on the other hand, the distancing measures can really do uh, make a huge impact in turning it around. Totally just interject again, yesterday, a bunch of little kids playing football outside our green belt. And I'm like, Lord have mercy. Uh, the, the, <laughs> this idea of, you know, my wife and I wanted to get like those posters. Have you seen that? I think we talked about it like maybe last couple of days ago. And Mark, maybe you've seen it as well, where they had that post of all the doctors and the nurses and whoever they are uh, with that kind of big banner saying something in the fact of like, uh, um, we're here for you. We stay here all the time for you. So please stay home for us kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to big yeah. banner post on our fence and just a nice suggestion of just please, dear God, stay home, stay home. So, and I mean, part of this is just this, even though I see them and it's kind of like, ah, oh, I get so unnerved. There's a part of me that does want to be out there and like, I want to be out there as well. And I want to hang out and I want to be with friends. And, you know, I just had a friend the other day uh, text me and say, Hey, I'm so sorry. We didn't, we didn't, we weren't able to uh, have a burger for your birthday. And do you want to get out? You know, let's look at a time to go out and get a burger. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, what is he, what is he saying? And then there's like this dot, dot, dot. <laughs> then he's like, uh, how about November 6th? <laughs> okay. That, that's totally appropriate. Right. And this desire to want to like, okay, yep. Okay. November 6th. And I'm totally, I'm booked. I'm totally booked on that day. I'm, I'm literally booking out right about now. Uh, and I, I want to go out I want to see friends and, uh, FaceTime has been awesome. And Skype has been great. Uh, Zoom has been awesome as well. But we just kind of wanted to go back and how are we dealing with this? How are we feeling? How are we staying grounded? And and again, landing this plane with, okay, we're in this for the long run. Uh, more and more, no matter what's coming out, it seems as though the best evidence continues to show we need to really hammer down. We really need to like really try to stay home as much as we can. How can we maintain some sense of uh, of calm in the midst of this? So again, we mentioned a couple of days ago on Friday, this idea of this fourfold structure of uh, of groundedness, of trying to obtain a sense of re- of real, a realness of, uh, of an ordered life. We mentioned the four steps of permanence, uh, discovery, uh, gratitude, and generosity. These are kind of the framework to help us and open us up to a place where we can see this is an opportunity. So I kind of want to have us riff for just a couple minutes of what are we doing in our own life to help us practice that first one, permanence. The idea of grounded in something that's bigger than ourselves. We mentioned prayer, mission, meditation. What are you guys trying to do as you, Mark and Stephen, as you begin to stay at home uh, and, and, and deal with this stuff? How are you practicing a sense of, of permanence and trying to look at this through a more, as we mentioned on Friday, more of an infinite kind of way that kind of looks like a, of an opportunity to grow in one's own life and in the context of your own families as well? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can start, I guess. Um, and this is something I'm definitely not not good at yet. Um, but I'm interested in the ways that this is, um, sort of illuminating some of the changes that we can make in our day-to-day life and survive, you know, that we're, um, you know, we had a realization the other day, like, um, we haven't, or my kids, at least I've been going to and from work, but my kids haven't been in the car for like a week and a half, you know, and that's, that's pretty cool. And I, it, I, on some level, you know, everybody's like a little, little cabin fever mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and we're getting, so maybe we need a little bit more out there, but we've been going on walks and things like that. Um, and there's this sense that, uh, there are other things 
potentially like that, um, where when we're forced to live a little bit more stripped to the essentials, um, I, my hope is that that will illuminate some of the ways that those things are sustainable in the long term. You know, we talk a lot about wanting to live a sustainable lifestyle, about wanting to kind of more consolidate in in our local communities, in our families and things like that, uh, while still being engaged in a meaningful way with the outside world. Um, and this, I think there's a potential here, uh, at least to start to explore some of the ways of doing that and, and recognizing that some of the ways that we've arranged our lives before, maybe were somewhat accidental, you know, as well, because of the way that the world that we found ourselves in and we just built up these habits because mm -hmm. in response to that now we're we're you know in this opportunity where we have this massive reordering of our habits and our daily routines so there is a potential place for more intentionality to enter into that um, you know and, and not just reorienting things because of how we encounter them in the world but sort of because um, this is what we want you know these are the values we want to guide our choices and these are the things that we think are really important and these are the things that are less important and can kind of fade into the background and and we'll be okay Stephen, how about you what do you what are you trying to do here to kind of practice permanence and to kind of keep a, a greater a bigger perspective of this yeah so i, I mean I, I think i can kind of maybe build a little bit on what mark just said in that you know as as this was getting started and um i was realizing that you know we were going to start spending more time you know at home less time interacting with society and that there would just be lots of time that we would need to fill. I was talking with Ali about this, that, you know, just like what, what are the things that we want to do? What are the things that we want to have done and to know and to how would we like to have changed once this thing is, you know, once we can return back to society. And, and there was sort of this, you know, this desire to be, to be more reflective, to be more sort of mindful to our, you know, fellow neighbors and that sort of thing. And, um, so one of the ways, I guess, concretely speaking, that I, that I've been trying to enter into that, I, I think that it can be really important to to sort of get input from from other sources, from other voices, and um, I've been turning a lot to fiction. So I, I finally took up the task of reading Les Misérables, um, and uh, which is just an incredible book, and it really has a lot to do with you know with with grace and like what is poverty, what is suffering, but also what is sort of like flourishing in the fullest human sense. Um, and it's really been a great companion over the last you know the last couple of weeks. You know, as I've been sort of sitting at home, it helps to have a fourteen hundred page book to read. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but it's, you know, it really, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of distance that one can go, I think, sort of, uh, you know, living day to day life and really being reflective, but I think that also sort of immersing oneself in sort of these, these greater ideas and, and, you know, people who from all different times in history have really thought deeply about, you know, what it is to be human and what it, like, what is essential to the human condition and what does it mean to live well? I've really been sort of trying to immerse myself in that sort of thing so that I can hopefully, you know, sort of use this time as a way of, of, of building myself and, and becoming more the person that I want to be. That's awesome, Stephen. And that just kind of goes into uh, a few years ago, I read about how the power of like fiction, reading fiction is just really good for the, for the mind. And and more important, even now, I didn't even think about this. And thanks for just that, uh, uh, the example you gave, because I think I really need to embrace some kind of book that's on fiction. Because the beauty of this, number one, it allows you to kind of get lost in a different world, which is great. Sometimes it's good just to take a step back, uh, enter into another world, uh, not for an escape uh, reason, but just to take a break. Uh, but there's something powerful about allowing the mind to take a breather from the stress of the world, enter into another really good world, like a good fiction book, a good fiction book that then really opens up the mind to more opportunities and creativity. And it's amazing how such creativity kind of happens when you read a really, really good fictional book and just allowing your mind to, to just escape into that world. 
just to put my two cents in there too, there's a, there's just a huge amount of empathetic imagination that you encounter. So as you're as you're reading fiction, you're sort of you know inhabiting this other experience mm. of the world, um, and it can kind of be world enlarging um, in a beautiful way in terms of just understanding other people's experiences and the the diversity of ways that people you know encounter the world, uh, and ideally you know in in ways that call us to uh doing that in a in a way that's more generous uh more open uh more brave that sort of thing mm -hmm. i think i'm not sure if you guys saw this mark and steven i think if you guys want to enter into a really good book i think kindle and amazon is offering like free uh, fiction books during this time i know it's a selected uh, kind of a selective routine or a set of books i'm not sure what they offer but if you want to escape and, and find a really good book and you don't have a lot of cash right now uh, there's so many I'm seeing every day, like constant things happening by which new uh, businesses are offering either things that are for free, like Headspace offering a whole free section of meditation or offering more things in their free tier. So you can get more resources available during these these couple months. So check that out as well. I think one thing I want to want to end on as well on this is just the call for simplifying our life. I, I think this is the biggest gift right now, how to stay grounded, how to practice permanence, and this idea of trying to pursue a life of simplicity for the sake of joy. I mean, that's a great pursuit that never ends. That's always kind of cultivating. And I'm thinking of this really great example of my own life that's that just sucks. And this is like, we're back in August. We started renovating our house a little bit to try to get, make it updated. We haven't done it in years. Uh, I just needed some love, need some attention. And we did a lot of things and it's cool to do a lot of things, but I didn't really realize there's an enormous amount of collateral damage from doing new things. And that is things break even when they're new, I, who knew? And so just this idea that the more things you get, the more problems you have. We have this water filter that we spent a decent amount of money on and it kind of smells like fish. I'm like, this is, real. This is I'm, like, I'm like, oh, for the love, you know? And so I'm like, how do you deal with it? Like, you know, I never would have bought this filter. We wouldn't have fish water. That's, that, that's, that's what would have happened. But now I have to deal with these problems. And I think the moral of the story is, is that as we have lived and I've lived personally, the more things I acquire, the more problems I have, the more problems I have. Uh, the more toys I like, the more solutions they don't offer me. And so, what a great opportunity right now in this midst of a difficulty where we're really being stripped of a lot of things where I can't even get ground beef at a grocery store uh, for a while to, to reconsider how we live and to simplify our life so that we can truly have a larger capacity for joy, that we're not spending all of our time organizing junk in our life and trying to fix all the things that we bought that's now broken. But we live in a much more simplified life, which of course is going to have this trickle-down effect, right? It's going to have environmental consequences by just not having so many things to have to purchase. It's going to have an impact on so many things already. We've seen this, as Mark said before the show, uh, just seeing you know, one of the, the, the upticks of uh, this, uh, this kind of quarantine, this social distancing, is just the, 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 the dramatic change in pollution, right? Uh, and and lo looking at that as an image of our own life, how can we reduce the pollution in our own life, right? Those things that we're constantly running at, uh, at full force, it's causing a lot of waste and ugliness in our life and how it's kind of some of it might be given the opportunity to strip away so we can embrace a more authentic self and then be a bigger gift to self. So I think that is a great thing to begin to practice in the sense of permanence. Try to find one thing or two things you can simplify your life. Say, you know what? I've had this for so long. I no longer need to do this, this thing, uh, purchase this reality uh, to strip ourselves a little bit more so we can have more room for joy in our own life. Well, we're going to end this uh, episode. So again, if you have any questions for Stephen, you can uh, direct message him on Twitter 
at S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-S-S-L-E-R on Twitter. Any questions with about me and the uh, the show, go ahead and Twitter me, direct message me at M-A-T-T-B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. Uh, and as well, if you want more information about what I do on the side on Living the Real, uh, it's livingthereal.com. Again, we'll put the Sweet Caroline in the show notes, which Mark apparently will never, ever watch because he hates Neil Diamond. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, so, but the rest of you, the rest of you can watch it and be happy. But uh, anyway, have a, have a wonderful time. Uh, we'll see you in hopefully a couple days on Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye.